Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, good evening, Seattle, and good evening, Puget Sound, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and uh, your sultan of spirits. I'm going to be the sultan today. Thanks for spending some time with us on a Saturday night. Hope you're hanging out at home, cooking up some food, or doing some work. Uh, I always like to put the show on as I do my housework only, you know, because then it sounds like I, I'm not talking inside my head. I'm actually talking outside my head, so it doesn't feel like I'm too strange. I uh, hope you do the same, and if you ever miss a show, check out our website. It's happyhourradio.net. Uh, we've got about 140 shows on there, and uh, gosh, it was just my, this is my three years and one month anniversary, so hooray, how about that? We've lasted. Uh, I guess I haven't been canceled yet, which is good. Um, otherwise, I'd, I'd be drinking alone without you and uh, chatting about great food, wine, spirits, cocktails, beer, events, and education all around the world. And if you want some education, hey, this is the month. It's Taste Washington Month over at CenturyLink Field, uh, tastewashington.org. Um, 200 wineries, uh, great chefs. We've got the new vintage event, which takes place uh, two nights before. I believe on that Thursday. We have some dinners on Friday. Um, Gosh, uh, Taste Washington. We're going to have a couple guests coming up next week and the week week after sharing their stories and uh, telling us which wines they'll be pouring. Um, and there's always, always great food to eat. Uh, coming up on the 13th is Debuts and Discoveries. Uh, David Clare with Seattle Uncorked hosts a really fun new kind of a new winery, new distillery event. It's uh, over at Magnuson Park. Um, about five hours of time, and you walk in, ch- taste some great wines, and uh, you can actually buy wines there. And it's all for Sunrise Rotary, so they help out in the U District and uh, Taste Washington. Uh, well, it's produced by Visit Seattle, and because we want tourists here and check out the wine country, and of course the great food. And speaking of great food, I've got uh, one of our our cool top chefs here in Seattle in the Puget Sound. It's uh, Jason Stratton. You may have heard that name. He's been around. He's a local boy. Went to Roosevelt, and uh, I will spare no more time. Hey, Jason Stratton, welcome to Happy Hour. Hey, Christopher. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you, and uh, I was really thrilled uh, being a restaurant guy myself for 30 years plus. Um, we ha- I haven't had the chance to, to meet you in person. I've seen you around, and you have this mystique about you for some for some very valid reasons, <laughs> and uh, it was a pleasure to actually to meet you at M-Bar and really enjoy your cuisine. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, it's uh, it's been exciting that, you know, opening M-Bar this past summer, it was uh, a lot to plan. You know, we're up on the 14th floor, so um, the whole plan of uh, structuring what, what that experience would be like was uh, a lot of fun to be involved in, and obviously, you know, it's it's great to finally have it open. So M-Bar is uh, your current location, and that's uh, on the 400 Fairview Avenue building in the 14th floor, like you said. Tell me about this project. Um, we're going to talk about your history and how you got started in the culinary cuisine, but since we're on the topic of M-Bar, and the food is fantastic, the view is obviously lovely, cocktails were great, did you find this space vacant, and did someone approach you, or did you say, hey, I have an idea, let's go, you know, make some home down in uh, the SLU area? You know, it 
from the space was discovered before I kind of be, became involved with the project. So um, Wasif and Rasha Harun, who are the owners of Mamnoon up on Capitol Hill, um, which is this is one of their their fourth restaurant actually. Um, so they had been kind of approached uh, regarding the space a while ago. Um, up to that point, I'd just been a regular patron of Mamnoon. I thought they were doing just amazing food, and uh, you know the space, the experience. I thought was just really exciting. Um, so when you know when I was kind of looking to do something new, I actually ran into Wasif on the street, I think, and he was like, hey, you know, we should we should go out and have have coffee. And, um, you know, he kind of explained to me this, the, the space and some of the ideas that he was playing around with, and uh, from there on just kind of took off. So it was really, really exciting to kind of be tapped for the project uh, long before it happened and then see it kind of take shape. Well, it's a fabulous place, and uh, I know once we get through this, uh, the, the spring rains, um, you've got this great outdoor covered area. So it's actually got heating, and you can actually see through the, the tent sides. Um, what's that called? Um, so, you know, we have about two-thirds of the restaurant is out outdoors on our patio space. So the cool thing about Embar is there are all these little kind of spaces to discover as you walk through, um, but the outside is really, you know, at this moment, it's not, not necessarily <laughs> the most... Uh, the most amazing space, um, but it's actually, you know, we do have half of it completely in, uh, enclosed, or I should say three quarters enclosed in kind of uh, solar paneling and, and wind protective curtains. Uh, we have these really amazing infrared heaters that, you know, once it's once it's cooking, it actually feels very comfortable. So, um, you know, there are a lot of little details. Uh, local artist Joey Veltkamp uh, actually handmade 25 different blankets. So uh, he's oh, a wow. friend of, friend of uh, the Haroons and a friend of mine. So it was really cool to kind of be able to involve him in kind of the construction of the space. So there's, you know, there's a lot of little details. Um, but we are definitely gearing up towards uh, what spring and summer are going to bring because it's, uh, you know, we opened at the tail end of summer. So we got kind of that, you know, that late, that late push of uh, August and September. But um we're looking. We're looking forward to when the sun starts shining again. That's pretty fun. So, how did the the name Embar come about? You know, Embar. I think it was. Um, in some ways, it's a concept of itself. Uh, you know, we we we're talking about the project as sort of Embar Mamnoon Bar, um, just as kind of a almost more of a social space. Um, when we when we first started imagining it, um, you know, we really were trying to bring this this aspect of of social dining that I think that you're seeing more and more in the way that people are using restaurants and are going out to eat. And we found, you know, at Moon, Mom Noon, it was very exciting because we would have, you know, parties of 10, parties of 12 come in. And, you know, it the eating wasn't so much necessarily dinner, but it was also this kind of, this experience of just being out and being social. and um, The energy and grazing and yeah, sipping. So, and Exactly. So it was just, you know, we were, we were seeing this sort of new demographic of, of people who really we're excited to see their friends, you know, excited to get a night out. And uh, we're really relishing that kind of social time as much as you might with, you know, a great meal with a, a loved one. So we were kind of exploring ways to to sort of bring that into a, a restaurant setting and sort of setting up opportunities for, for lots of different ways of dining or ways of socializing. Well, it seems that in some respects it reminded me of a speakeasy because you've got this uh, this little entryway, which there was um, a gentleman there. I think he was sort of uh, the concierge, if you will. Uh, but the, the the artwork was eclectic. It was uh, it took me back to the 70s, yet it was more, it was like the futuristic version of the 70s because you had all these different lighting. Um, of course, you take this elevator up there and then you walk into this really beautiful space. Who designed that space? Did you have 
some input on that? Um, I had some input. You know, the uh, so Eric Cobb was the the designer for Mom Noon, and he's a very good uh, friend of the Haroons. Um, so he, I think, between their aesthetic, I think they've kind of created this really beautiful, I think, just use of space, almost like negative space. So um, we were moving forward with the project with Eric, um, but there were a lot of people who were brought on to kind of be involved with the design from, you know, people who were designing the tables. Um, Rasha Haroon is... Uh, a pretty avid art collector and uh, aficionado and has a really amazing kind of touch and eye for for kind of what looks good together and I think her style is sort of this eclectic mix of you know kind of very modern very new but also referencing kind of classic things so yeah I think it was kind of intentionally almost like this mosaic of 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 influence and of kind of past and present. It's quite interesting to to because it wasn't anything you expect. Obviously, these days restaurants are very very well planned out and got all the color schemes and and I guess just to say that's the franchise or the, or the chain restaurants they've got the formulas. Um, but this was really a, a breath of fresh air. It took me back to my youth. It, it had a little punk rock feel to it in a bit. Um, but when, when you walk upstairs and into the past the hostess stand, you see that sunken uh, horseshoe of a bar. It's a square horseshoe. And I love the sight lines. I thought the sight lines were perfect because have it getting down low, people are above you, which is cool, but you're kind of out of the way and you're kind of cozy right along that bar. And that bar was really neat. Yeah, it's. I mean, we, we really put a lot of time thinking about kind of viewpoints. And so that was... Um, w- you know, we are in this very particular place. You know, I don't know that there is, um, you know, being born and raised in Seattle, I certainly haven't seen that kind of view um, overlooking a South Lake Union from the South, you know, and actually just looking up to the North. Um, it's really, uh, it's very striking. So, you know, we we really wanted to try to think about can there can it be possible that there isn't a bad seat in the house you know and i think that's uh you know i love actually sitting at the bar and a lot of our most regular guests that's actually their favorite place because it just does feel very cozy and you're kind of in the middle of it all and uh but also you can kind of you know spin around and look at the look at the environment around you so it's it's pretty special and there's that sense of exhibition kitchen as well you can take a peek obviously see the bartender work uh and it was travis who was the bartender um, uh, Tony. Tony, yes. Yeah. The Tony Negroni we made that <laughs> night. Yeah. Tony Negroni. That was really, really fun. Very talented. And I always love um, just throwing it onto the bar. Hey, this is what I could like. Let's pick a, a spirit and make something happen. And it's really, really fun for me. Um, looking at all the space, you actually can do private parties, but are you a dinner spot, a happy hour and dinner spot, or are you looking to expand the menu and become more of a... You know, I think we're we're pretty aware that happy hour in Seattle is, is such a phenomenon. Again, it's it's... You hear a lot of chefs who are like, oh, man, happy hour. But um, it is, especially in our neighborhood in South Lake Union, you know, kind of, a, again, a very social social time. So, um, you know, especially as the patio opens up, we see happy hours being being kind of a hot spot. Um, right now, dinner, dinner only. We're closed on Mondays, but we will probably be operating seven days pretty soon. Um, so, you know, we're 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 taking it in steps. You know, I, I think there's a lot of potential to what the space can be. Um but definitely we're going to have some, we have a, a really awesome outdoor grill. So a lot of, I think, the food in the springtime and the summer will be coming off of just this huge grill. So expect a lot of really uh, delicious little vegetables and, you know, local meats and things like that that will be just kind of simply grilled or, you know, there, there, there's a lot of potential about what we can do. So 
I like that idea, obviously, uh, um, socializing, and then the outdoor atmosphere, the barbecue on the patio. Of course, you can entice people with the beautiful smells that are wafting through the uh, through the air. And, um, you know, hey, folks, speaking with Jason Stratton, the, the executive chef of M-Bar, part of the Man Moon family of restaurants, and interesting menu. I was really thrilled that there was a certain amount of simplicity to it, freshness of uh, presentation, but also there was this great complexity uh, and deft um, preparation. Talk about how you came up with that style of menu, and give me some of the uh, the items on it again. Sure. Um, you know, when when we were kind of conceptualizing Embar, a lot of a lot of thought was, well, you know, there are a lot of sort of view restaurants. You know, what what do you think about when you when you see a view restaurant? What does a view restaurant mean for Seattle? Um, and and it was we were kind of wanting to play around with that. You know, I think we walked into it um, realizing that. We didn't necessarily want to be a straightforward kind of Pacific Northwest restaurant, um, but the more we started thinking about what's happening in Seattle, you know, we're at this moment of complete growth and explosion, and, you know, South Lake Union is actually a perfect symbol of kind of what is happening in Seattle, you know, uh, for better or for worse, uh, you know, we're a changing, a changing place. And, uh, you know, so when we, we started talking about some of these dishes, uh, we we definitely wanted to represent sort of the the population change of Seattle. I think Seattle's always been, you know, as part of the Pacific Rim, you know, when you grow up here you eat a lot of foods that that I think are very characteristic of this region, you know. Uh, a lot of people have tripe for the first time in pho, you know. Um you you grow up eating uh you know, eating a pretty r- broad range of foods. Um and so we kind of wanted to to introduce some of that for the now, uh while at the same time kind of sticking to what I'm known for, which is kind of classic, almost retro sometimes, um, uh, European, you know, uh, pretty simple, uh, but also very complex in flavor. So, uh, it's, it's been fun to really kind of play with, uh, the full range of colors. I think there are a lot of, uh, in the past, a lot of my, my cuisine has been about complete restraint. And so, uh, it's been, (laughs) you know, it's been a lot of fun to kind of incorporate ingredients that, that are very much about where we are in terms of eating culturally right now. Well, I remember you had a great uh, hamachi crudo dish. Uh, you had this beautifully warm and uh, complex yet savory and almost sweet uh, super stew. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we had that great trout um, uh, preparation. And y- your menu is not huge. You must have, what, 28, maybe 30 items on it, I mm-hmm. think, when you go to appetizer salads and, and main courses and things. Um, and dessert was, was really, you had a great dessert that you brought out that was really phenomenal. And it was yeah, we uh it's actually a creation of uh one of my sous chefs Anthony Reynaga. He uh this was right after Prince had passed and we were uh kind of had all these huckleberries around and it was kind of a funny thing. He just said, you know, we have a lot of whey cuz we're draining draining this labne. We have these huckleberries so he created this kind of whey sorbet with this little huckleberry. Whey sorbet. Blender. I love it. Hold that thought. We'll come right back with Jason Stratton, the executive chef at Mbart right here on Happy Hour Radio. A Northwest original, Lars Larson, live weekdays noon to 3, Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, welcome back to segment two, uh, round two of Happy Hour Radio. Hope you got something tasty in your glass. Uh, What's in the mood today? Is it a beer? Is it the Irish beer, Irish whiskey, or perhaps a glass of wine, a little rosé? 
Um, and I had some great cocktails, or perhaps that's what you have in your glass, because I'm speaking with Chef Jason Stratton, the executive chef at M Bar, which is at 400 Fairview Avenue on the 14th floor. Great view, um, a lovely little spot. We were just talking about this fantastic meal that I had, and I guess uh, it's great to have the chef actually prepare it because he's overseeing it, and that's what you love. But you also love your team to, and the trust in your team to, to do that on a regular basis. Chef, I mentioned uh, that hamachi crudo and that beautiful, um, uh, very stewy, sweet, and complex dish that was just the right amount. The wonderful trout, but this dessert, which blew me away because it was delicate and something I've never had before. Yeah, I think it was, you know, again, it was this sort of when you are involved in a menu, you know, you uh, I think there's part of modern cooking, um, which is actually referencing kind of this old way of using up everything. Um, you know, as to make a restaurant work, you really look at trying to use everything. You know, if you're if you're using the turnips, you should use the turnip greens and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So we because we use actually a lot of lubne, which is strained yogurt, um, we have a lot of this kind of the strained off way, um, which, you know, you could braise with it. You can do this. And, uh, it was actually right after Prince passed, uh, who myself and one of my sous chefs are huge, huge fans. Um, he kind of created this dish, uh, in homage and I was just like, wow, this is, uh, as, as kind of out of the box almost as Prince, Prince was, but it's uh, a little whey sorbet. We make a, a huckleberry fruit leather. Um, there's a little bit of lime zest, a little bit of crumbled uh, pistachio cookie, a little bit of uh, actually fresh savory. So you have this kind of mm. um, herbaceous element. So it was, you know, it's, it is one of those dishes on the menu that I think is really, really fun because it kind of is all about balance and texture and um, trying to really hit all the points of your palate. Well stated. Uh, the fruit leather was just fantastic. And everything was just the right amount of balance. And, and it, it, being a wine guy, it's always about balance to me because you want everything to sort of fit and not to be too wacky. Sometimes too wacky is okay, but uh, complex yet simple, elegant, and um, at the end of the day, a, a very relatively light dessert, which... I thought found very satisfying as well because it hit the right spot and that way, I mean, that's protein, right? That's yeah, good for exactly. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. let's talk about your past. Obviously, um, M-Bar is where you are today, but you started, we have the commonality of having uh, Chef Bruce Nafflety in our history. He was the first executive chef or um, I worked with back uh, many years ago, and then you started with him as well. Let's talk about your uh, the, the, gener- the genesis of your culinary career. Yeah, so I mean, I've, I've always been very interested in food. I love, love eating. My mom was a great cook and kind of, you know, grew up in the kitchen learning a lot from her. Um, but actually the, the, my kind of falling into the restaurant world was sort of by chance. Um, my art teacher actually at Summit K-12, um, back in the day was, <laughs> shout, uh, out to yeah. Summit K-12. <laughs> shout out to Summit K-12, yeah. um, represent, uh, but she was really good friends with Bruce. He was, you know, looking for a dishwasher. Um, I was actually looking, you know, to pick up some spare money and started washing dishes there on Fridays and Saturdays uh, at uh, restaurant Le Grimano in Ballard. And um, it was just this kind of weird spark. You know, it's something that when you're looking back at decisions that you make in, in your life, it was definitely uh, a huge kind of opening up for my for my future. So that was uh, a pretty amazing restaurant to be started in. I think Bruce Naftali is, uh, you know, one of the most important cultural figures that we have right now. I think he did so much to transform the, you know, the face of Seattle. So, uh, huge mentor, uh, really amazing restaurant. And, uh, I really enjoyed him too. It's great to see him and, uh, still 
um, working his tail off and, and doing great things. So you uh, you graduated from the dishwashing position. You started working in the kitchen. Is that correct? Yeah. So, you know, as, as any dishwasher knows, uh, <laughs> if you've started there, uh, you know, there's there's always a lot to do in a restaurant. So, you know, when you have spare time, you're peeling onions, yes. you're, you know, you're cleaning salad greens, you're, you're chopping garlic or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd done a lot of that. It kind of started watching Bruce as he was butchering ducks and, and rabbits and was sort of fascinated by that. Um, and so little by little, I just kind of started picking up more and more prep stuff. Um, and I actually remember it was, uh, I, th- I feel like it was actually a snowy night. Um, and the, the restaurant was supremely busy. It was one of those nights where, you know, suddenly people are walking in. Everyone the door. walked in. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the, the servers was just saying like, Hey, I just need this, you know, this dessert, you know, you're really busy. Can Jason just come over and scoop this ice cream? And that was kind of the my my falling into actually working uh, working a station was that night was kind of my first my first little step. So yeah, it's just funny how these these things happen, these opportunities happen. And so you left uh, Le Gourmand, obviously that the the place had, had closed, and, and now it's uh, Heel and. Uh, Heel Brimmer, Heel yeah, Brimmer, great stuff. Um, where did you go? What was your next position? Did you have uh, uh, dreams? We all do, I know, of oh, I want to own my own restaurant, my own bar is going to be great, and here's what I'm going to do. It. What'd you do? You know, I was actually so the whole time I was uh, working at Ligerman, I was actually going to school at Evergreen, so I'd be go- taking classes. Uh, originally, I was kind of a Russian, uh, a Russian major. Um, whatever that means, uh, in terms of uh, Evergreen doesn't really do majors, but that's another whole other show. Um, so I actually kind of started getting more involved in writing and poetry, did a lot of um, visual arts, and uh, was planning actually after graduation to go to grad school for poetry. And uh, kind of around the t- that time, I took one of my first trips to Europe, um, just had a really amazing eye-opening food experience there, um, and through the mail, I actually remember I was in the uh, post office of Centimillion when I got this oh, email. I was checking my email in the post office and got this email from Holly Smith at Cafe Juanita saying, hey, a friend of mine gave me a resume. I don't know if you're going to be looking for work. And uh, again, that was kind of my my next step was really diving into sort of uh, Italian cuisine. And um, so I was, again, at Cafe Juanita for about five years uh, back in the day, so wow, five years. Yeah, it goes quick, even in the restaurant business. Because and I spent 15 years at the Rainer Club, and I know well, some days weren't so quick. Um, but from a what, what was your position there? Were you on the line? Were you a line cook? And and did you graduate there? Because I know that Holly Smith has a great tree uh, of culinary talent that sprouted from her trunk, I should say, something yeah. like that. Well, it was um, it was kind of a magic time. I was I was hired, you know, started at kind of as everyone does, it's sort of an entry-level position, so I was on pantry um, and doing some prep and uh, just kind of moved my way up pretty quickly. Um, became sous-chef. Actually, when I when I got the sous-chef job, it was when I decided not to go to grad school. Um, so I said, you know, I'll stick this out and uh, just kind of fell in love, you know, with this this hospitality industry. It was, uh, I think Holly was a great mentor because I think she's somebody who understands, you know, as a chef, she really understands the restaurant business and she understands the hospitality aspect of it. And that was um, you know, for, for a very difficult industry, you know, it's hard on your body. It's hard mentally. You have long hours. Um, you kind of have to find something to keep you going. And, um, she was, you know, really kind of taught me that, that great love of, of, of terrific hospitality. You get to fire so. the passion. Yeah, yeah, it is all about hospitality as well. Speaking with chef Jason Stratton, who's now at M-Bar. Um, what's the website for M-Bar? 
uh, www.mbarseattle.com. M, M as in mm, yummy, mom. <laughs> as in moo. <laughs> as in moo. Um, okay, so you had a couple other restaurant projects. Um, tell me, you were at Spinasse, mm-hmm. which I had the pleasure of dining there with Chef Stewart. Um, another fantastic place. He gave you lots of lots of accolades and said how great it was to actually just, well, Intimidating. Step into the, f- the position because at that point you really elevated uh, Spinasse's cuisine and, and reputation. Yeah, I think Spinasse. It was a uh, an amazing, amazing project. You know, um, the original chef Justin Niedermeyer actually we met at Cafe Juanita where he was the pasta maker, and so um, it was really uh, cool to kind of see that take shape. And you know, when he when he was opening it up was really you know, kind of involved in opening that. Um, and at the same time, Poppy was opening with Jerry Tronfeld. So I was kind of went from one restaurant opening into another, um, worked worked and kind of helped get Poppy off the ground. And then the opportunity to go back to Spinasse opened up. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty, pretty fantastic, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing house. Uh, great staff, great kind of bones. Uh, so it was a really, you know, it was a special place. There's a lot of love in that place, I could tell. And the food was fantastic. And I, this has been just uh, one of my greatest, <laughs> last month was one of the best months I've had, uh, taking, uh, you know, taking the opportunity to enjoy your cuisine and hospitality, of course. Um, there was the Spanish place. Aragona. Aragona. Um, you know, I, I loved the idea, the concept. I love Sherry. I've been to Spain. Um, that place, that location has always been difficult since Rosalini had the 810 or what the heck it was called. I remember. Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's, it, we were kind of being ambitious about uh, what downtown was, you know, and I think that, again, we're we're in a in a time of very pivotal change, you know, and uh, unfortunately, it seems like that that market wasn't kind of moving fast enough um, for what we were looking for. But yeah, it was a it was a pretty you know again it was a, a really dear project, and uh, I have a great love of Spanish food. I lived in Spain for for quite a while, so nice. Um, so yeah. Yeah, you know, there's a certain lifestyle, and if you haven't gone to Europe, folks, uh, I'm sure most of you have, because that's where you really understand what food means to life, and what life really means. It's not about the work, and you know, chefs work too hard, but it's <laughs> such a passionate thing, and you're taking care of people. But you know, Americans work too hard, and actually, not all of them. <laughs> Some people don't, but we're always trying to work, and 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 yet. In Europe, you've got this old world, and it's like you know, it's about family, and it's about time, because at the end of the day, that's all you got. Um, so fun. Um, Mbar, it's uh, mbar.com. You have a happy hour, right? And that's what time does happy hour start? Uh, happy hour starts at 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Great. 4 to 6, something like that? 4 to 6, yep. Excellent. And um, you've got amazing cocktails. You've got uh, uh, the, the, the bar outside, which is really, really fun for the patio time, and this grill. What's the grill called? you can have a little little name for this? It has not been named yet. We'll have to christen, christen it with some uh, some champagne once the uh, the patio season <laughs> really starts. I love it. All right, folks. Hey, um, having a good time with Chef Jade Strat. We're going to talk about food and philosophy. We'll come back on the, from this break on 570. KVI. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Somalier, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle time for round three. Hope you got something great in your glass or refreshing that beverage uh, or checking out the great restaurant scene. If you haven't been to M Bar yet, well, I have the pleasure of 
having Chef Jason Stratton, Executive Chef over at M Bar. It's mbar.com, and it's at 400 Fairview Avenue on the 14th floor, Great View. So uh, set a date, set a course for over there. Um, Chef, we were talking about, uh, of course, your, your career and some of the places you've helped uh, establish and, and some of the ideas you had. Um, when it comes to food and, and hospitality, um, what's more important? Do you like the idea of having um, people find what they want? I mean, what's your philosophy on the whole? Uh, you know, it's an open-ended question. We'll see what you got. Yeah, you know, I think um, I've, for the longest time, I think I've I've moved more towards a, a rejection of wanting to dictate what people eat. I think part of the the real excitements of of discovering a restaurant, which you know, uh, is is kind of feeling confident that kind of no matter where you're going to land, there's going to be something there, you know. Um, and there's certainly days when I go out to eat and I, you know, don't feel like having this huge, huge shebang of a meal. So I, you know, I think I think part of of really engaging a restaurant is sort of that third space is is having that restaurant kind of determine who you are and know your know your tastes and know your likes. Um, and I think you know, there's there's part of being a you know, I I love going out to re- eat at restaurants and I, I, I <laughs> Me love too. But but I also love the restaurants where, you know, you go in and they kind of they kinda of know what you want. You know, they kind of uh they recognize you as a person and I think that um for me there's a little bit of with sort of the dominance of like, oh, this is the tasting menu, uh there is a little bit of, of kind of cutting out the that that space for the for the guests to, to kind of engage in the restaurant, if that makes sense. So I, I you know, I, I like people to kind of come in and experience for themselves and we're happy, you know, as a as a service staff to sort of guide you into what we think would would be a nice way to experience the restaurant. But I, I really do like letting people kind of just engage and ask questions. Your menu um, is in a, in a way eclectic, but the food was so comforting because it had the great flavor, the freshness, um, and uh, just the balance, again. Um, I understand that uh, recently you were involved with a hamburger project. Tell me about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um Lil Woody's uh, in February. It was uh, kind of chefs' chefs' month, so four four chefs were were asked to kind of create a signature burger uh, for Lil Woody's. So uh, we did we uh, did the Big Frida after the New Orleans Queen of Bounce. Um, you know, I, I I love her music and uh, her style and everything. So kind of wanting this bombastic, uh, boldly flavored burger. So we we took a little riff on uh, a very popular dish that we do at Mom Noon, actually uh, the the fried cauliflower, and kind of made that into sort of a little spicy relish with a little tahini mayonnaise, some feta cheese. It was really, uh, really delicious. Wow. Um, and there was a couple other chefs involved. Uh, I think Rachel Yang was involved, and there were two other chefs I can't remember. But h- how much fun was that? And how did they find you? Was there like, oh, let's go find Jason Stratton? You ever make a burger before? I, yeah, I love I love making burgers, <laughs> actually. Um, and I've, I have been known to haunt Lil Woody's. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it was just uh, they were kind of looking for for chefs who uh, you know. I know that Marcus, he's been to my restaurants in the past and is really you know he sent me a really sweet email saying like, hey, I love your food. Would you be interested in doing this project? And you know, it's always fun to to support to support this community of businesses. And uh, I think that's one of the exciting things about Seattle, uh, the Seattle chef industry is I think there's there's a great uh, love and support for what other people are doing. And, uh, you know, it does, it's not always the case in other other towns. It can be <laughs> kind of competitive. But I think that uh, that's one of the really wonderful things about working here in Seattle is there's just such a great community. Very similar to the wine business. It's, uh, it's you know, there's a lot of teaching and a lot of mentoring and a lot of sharing of equipment and ideas. And people aren't afraid to, to like, you know what, I'm happy enough for myself. I can tell you what I'm doing. And and not be so guarded and safe. Um, 
let's look ahead. What's the what's the flavor of uh, this next this summer? What do you think is going to be hot? Here's what I think. I think it's going to be turmeric. I think it's going to be something like that, and which blew me away because your menu had that style of flavor and seasoning. What do you think? Yeah, I could see turmeric. I mean, it's always one of those things you you know could be the next the next new new thing. Um, one thing that I've I've noticed in Seattle for sure is that I think there's more of this uh, celebration and adulation of kind of outdoor spaces, and you know it's it's like Global grabbing warming. those moments of sun where you can find them. So you know I think that. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, almost like escapism, I think, in in some of the restaurants that have been opening, where you know there there are these bright flavors or these high acids uh, that kind of or herbaceousness that kind of makes you think of of a different locale. So I think that that is definitely taking a lot of hold. So turmeric, you know, has a <laughs> you know definitely has a, a role in there. My friend, uh, some friend Chet Holstein, had him on the show a couple months ago. He made a liqueur called Kuma from turmeric. And it was beautiful, uh, just something you wouldn't ex- expect. And uh, I, I could see that, you know, this trend might be coming on because when we think about it, we've had the Pan-Asian thing, of course, and we've done some of the Spanish things, of course. But I think that, that Indian, that the curries of, of uh, the Middle East and things like that might be that new frontier. Um, what's, your, what's your favorite part of, what's your favorite vendor? Who's got stuff in, in Washington and Seattle that you use? Is the mushroom guy? That, I remember seeing the mushroom forager man. He was straight out of the 60s, the hippie dude you go out there and come back with a load of chanterelles and, and morels but who are some of the purveyors in seattle that you really appreciate um you know we've been really loving uh our relationship with uh farmer georgie out at w- willowwood farms um so she is out on whidby uh just right off eb's landing which is kind of this crazy little microclimate even within whidby island uh you know it's kind of essentially like a floodplain. um so the the soil there is really rich and uh she's just become over time you know her her vegetables are fantastic uh, but she's also just an amazing person. We're actually going to be doing a uh, outstanding in the field dinner uh, with her on her farm uh, <laughs> this coming summer. So um, she's she's been just really wonderful to work with. And you know, when you have people bringing you beautiful produce, you know, it's very inspiring. So. Yeah, it puts a smile on your face right away. I know Chef Bill Morris had did, had some great uh, vendors as well. Um, you're participating in Taste Washington coming up, 22nd through the 24th over CenturyLink. Uh, what do you got going? So I will be doing uh, we'll be doing a little uh, bite during the uh, new vintage event, um, which will be really fun. We did it last year. And yeah, last year I remember it that, was yeah. uh, you know it's Taste Washington. There's always kind of this uh, fun social buzz, and you know there's a lot of really fun networking, and uh, obviously a lot of great great things to eat and drink. Uh, so that'll be really fun. Um, Sometimes these events too, you know, you gotta get to to talk to other chefs and and catch up with them. So that's another aspect that's really great. Um, but then, yeah, we're gonna be doing uh, kind of a main stage event. We're doing a, a cooking demo. I'm actually gonna be working maybe side by side next to uh, Chef Chad White out of Spokane, who I was on Top Chef with. Uh, so I think there it'll be a it'll be a lot of fun. There's always a lot to 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 see, and I, I love kind of going up to winemakers that you know. I'm like I I love your wine. I'm such a dork, but um, you know it's 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 a really fun fun opportunity to kind of meet you know meet people who are doing doing the food or doing doing the wine. You don't always get that opportunity. It so. is to have everyone in, in one building having a good time. Um, it's in that new vintage. It's really the skews younger and and uh, dare, dare I say a little sexier because they apparently fashion is in and uh, I'm I'm way behind. <laughs> um, you were a Top Chef. Tell me about uh, what year that was and, and was that the one in Seattle? Uh, it wasn't. It was actually uh, season thirteen, so it was uh, a traveling traveling season. Oh, They've only done a yeah. couple, uh, so we were kind of all through California. 
Yeah, it was it was it was an awesome experience. You know, I think uh, met some some amazing amazing people. Had a lot of really great opportunities, and you know, if, of course, it's also this just bizarre experience. Of sure, <laughs> the reality TV show that being on being on a reality TV show and kind of the strangeness of that. So yeah, it was it was a very. What really was your favorite time. moment about that? Uh, you know. I, I will have to say one of the most memorable things is we had an opportunity uh, to cook. This was before the, the Supreme Court ruling of uh, marriage equality, um, and we were in California, and we actually were in Palm Springs, and we had an opportunity to cater uh, 25 uh, gay couples. You know, it was right after hey. the right to marry was yeah. was passed in California, and it was it was really just a special day to be involved in, you know, literally these people's memories and lives, and uh, it was a really exciting, proud moment. That's fun. And did you do a little appetizer? Yeah, we did. We actually had to cater the whole the whole buffet. So it was, uh, you know, if Art, when Art Smith tells me that you know these feel like little parcels of love, you're you're kind of happy. So. Oh, so yeah. sweet. Well, I've had a pleasure. Uh, first of all, dining at your restaurant and a chance to meet you. You did Koshan Five 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 one year, didn't you? I did. I was up. I think I was the second round that they came up here. Yeah, I was. And I've kind of been a rotating judge here and there too. So yeah, it's I remember also that. It's fun. Event. And uh, the Brady's coming back, so that'll be something to find you at. But we'll look forward to seeing you at Taste Washington. Of course, uh, don't be afraid to check out M Bar when it's gray and cloudy. You'll know that you'll have a space at the bar for sure. Um, but uh, that way you can you can check it out. Great menu, uh, fantastic drinks, and uh, Chef Jason Stratton. Thanks so much for joining me. And happy Hour Radio. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, folks, that's mbar.com. you got to check it out. I loved it. It, uh, it was a date night for me. I took my little sister. Well, she's like 28 now, so I guess they're always your little sister. But uh, it was. she told me she was just astounded at how good it was. And um, she's oh, she's traveled, and she's had some great food. And it was really a pleasure to actually have the chef and show, you know, Big Brother looked like he was showing off. So uh, <laughs> that was fun for me. Hey, folks, coming up, um, there's, a, there's an event called Whiskey Jew believe i'm talking about jewish faith and and uh star of david so this cat has got this show coming to seattle and uh coming up next um, we're gonna have a uh well a chat with uh the guy's name is joshua hatton with jason stratton go figure that out <laughs> i couldn't make that up hey folks uh stick around we got one more segment right here on happy hour radio He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays, 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, uh, we've got a great Scotch or whiskey event coming up. It's called Whiskey Jubilee, and I've got the founder, Joshua Hatton, online. Hey, Joshua, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, so um, uh, thanks for calling in. I'm excited about this event. It's uh, Thursday, March 2nd. Um, where's it going to be held at? Two doors down from uh, Westland Distillery, actually. Oh, so it's right in the heart of Soto. Right. That's the uh, the Urban Feast location on First Avenue. Yeah, yeah. A great location. Now, tell yeah. me, Whiskey Jubilee, and this is really about Jewish Judaism, right? I mean, you've got J-E-W Jubilee. Tell me, what's the story behind this name? <laughs> So the first thing I'd say is I'd flip it around. The word whiskey comes first, jubilee comes second. <laughs> okay, I so, like that. <laughs> so this is a whiskey event for lovers of whiskey, connoisseurs, geeks, nerds, or even if you're just interested in it. Um, 
we're there to, to educate people and to have fun about whiskey. Uh, we get about 40, 40 tables there, 100 brands, close to 300 whiskeys. And yes, it says Jubilee, and that's sort of a nod to our kosher-keeping friends to let them know that our that our buffet is completely kosher. So feel free to eat and, and fill your bellies so you can safely, you know, enjoy all the the various whiskeys that you're going to imbibe. Wow, I like that. So it's uh, Thursday, March second. How do we get tickets? So it's pretty easy. You go to Whiskey Jubilee. It's uh, whiskeyjubilee.com, and that's whiskey without the E and Jubilee with a Chew instead of a J-U. <laughs> um, and then you just go over to the Seattle page, and uh, you can buy tickets right online there. They're only $95. Excellent. And uh, the hours of for the Seattle event? It's from 7 to 10 p.m. 7 to 10 p.m. All right. So actually, you could get a, go get a little happy hour, get in a good base going on, a little, as my old buddy would say, eat a bunch of French fries and go <laughs> load up. Um, you know, is it okay to spit when you're drinking whiskey? Because I'm a sommelier, and I tell everybody, when you're drinking wine, it's okay to spit. But is whiskey, can you spit whiskey? Well, we have spittoons at each table. And <laughs> I, you know, with insurance in mind, I always think... <laughs> Play it safe. Exactly. Uh, what I would say is taste a whole bunch, but when you see the, the 30 or 35-year-old or that rare single cask of whiskey or what have you, that's the one you swallow. I love it. And so this Whiskey Fest is going to include Irish whiskey, Scotch whiskey, Canadian whiskey, and American whiskey? That's correct. There will be some uh, Japanese whiskeys there as well. Oh, how about that one from India, Amarut or something? Amrut will definitely be there, and we're in discussions with Paul John as well, uh, and they may they may show up too. We'll, we'll see, but Amrut is signed up. I love it. All right, so Whiskey Jubilee, that's whiskey without the E, just the K-Y, and Jubilee, J-E-W, um, March 2nd, uh, whiskeyjubilee.com. Uh, this is a benefit. Obviously, in Washington State, we need to have a beneficiary. Who are you benefiting with this event? ADL. You familiar with ADL, um, Anti-Defamation Oh, League. yes, the Anti-Defamation uh, yeah. League. Okay, cool. Yep, yeah. Since our inception, we have been, we've always had some sort of a, a charity partner, and uh, we've been with ADL for a couple of years now, and they're a great partner. I love it. So uh, you attend the Whiskey Jubilee on March 2nd. You'll get a tasting glass. Tickets are 95 bucks, and there's going to be over 300 bottles of whiskey? Yeah, we, we have about 250-plus listed, but wow. I know most of the tables are going to have uh, a couple bottles under the table, and <laughs> we, were just, Shh, uh, we were just informed there'll be some really old bottlings of Old Fitzgerald, if you're, oh, if yeah. you're a bourbon fanatic, and uh, a nice 40-year-old um, that was just added, too, from Old Particular, so it'll be... Uh, There'll be some gems there, no doubt. Is that called a cougar whiskey? <laughs> 40-year-old one. A what whiskey? A cougar whiskey. 40-year-old whiskey. <laughs> it's going to be sexy, that's yeah. for sure. Hey, you have your own company, how it, how this got started. What's your company? You have a special bottling company that makes uh, that bottles whiskey. Sure. We are called Single Cask Nation, and um, primarily we focus on uh, single cask cast strengths, um, you know, bottlings of Scotch whiskey, but we've done American whiskey as well. Um, one thing I wanted to add about the Jubilee, though, quickly, we're the only um, we're, we're the only American festival to have a festival bottling uh, oh. to commemorate the show. I yeah. love it. So 
yeah, so that, that'll be fun. That'll be something special to taste. But yeah, Single Cast Nation, uh, we've been doing that since 2011. And, um, you know, we bottle about 18 to 24 casks per year now. Singlecastnation.com, um, that's where we can find you? Yeah, that's it. We'll find you at uh, the Soto Urban Feast on First Avenue, March 2nd. Hey, Joshua Hatton, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Cheers, man. Thank you. Hey, folks, when you're out and about, remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers.